The LA Kings shocked the Oilers in game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. How did the Kings pull that off? We'll talk superstars stepping up, the power play getting it done, and containing the biggest star in the NHL, all next on this edition of Locked on LA Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia, your, for the moment, clean-shaven host uh, of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years, 20-plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast. It's a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and a passionate and happy L.A. Kings fan for the past 30 years, at least happy right now. Well, are you still smiling, Kings fans? I know it is just one win, but wow, let us enjoy this. It is just the first step on hopefully what is many steps along the way, but the L.A. Kings get a thrilling come-from-behind overtime win in Edmonton to steal game one of their playoff series against the Oilers. Let's enjoy a quick recap of that game and while the game ended on a very high note for the kings it didn't start great uh the kings were outplayed in the opening period um the team of course the oilers at home feeding off the energy of their home crowd perhaps uh but the Oilers did get goals from star leon dry and then also a five on three power play goal from defenseman evan bouchard and while the kings did play better in the second period they were still down two nothing heading into the third now i said on monday's show that and every day is we'll know there's people who listen every day. Going into the game, I said the Kings' top goal scorer, Adrian Kempe, had to be a factor in this series. He had to score some big goals. Well, the man they call Juice absolutely delivered. First scoring on a sweet backhand shot just 52 seconds into the third period to get the Kings on the board and make it a one-goal game. Now, Leon Dreisaitl was the Oilers star that stepped up. He scored his second goal of the game to make it 3-1, but Kempe would answer with his second goal of the game a beautiful wrist shot, back post. It was um, just a beautiful goal by Kempe. All skill on that one, a sniper, and that made it 3-2. to two. I also said on Monday's show that the Kings' power play had to show up, and the Kings were able to score with the man advantage. Now, LA was over 4 in the power play until the final seconds after Trevor Moore drew a high-sticking call. The Kings got a power play, and head coach Todd McClellan decided to pull goalie Jonas Corposalo to make it 6-on-4 in favor of the Kings, and with 17 seconds left, Andre Kopitar put in a Philip Deneau shot that was initially saved, but trickled through the goaltender. It was sitting in the crease. Uh, Kopitar taps it in, and we are tied at 3-3. In overtime, Blake Lazat drew a tripping call, and the Kings' power play would get a chance again. The Kings actually, though, losing the faceoff on that power play in the Oilers' zone, but Victor Arvidsson hustling, tracked down, and intercepted a pass to get the Kings possession. He and Kovatar played catch while the power play got set up. Uh, Alex Ayafalo was in that bumper slot in the crease uh, after a quick pass from Kovatar to Doughty. Doughty then went back down to the side of net to Arvidsson, who immediately, and still with some touch, put a perfect pass on the stick of Ayafalo, who put it home. Beautiful tic-tac-toe passing play. 
and the Kings pull out a 4-3 win to take game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. What a win and what a way to start the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Los Angeles Kings. And to talk about who's the player of the game in this one, who do we give the crown to as we do here on Locked on LA Kings for the player of the game? And it's a tough call. A lot of guys contributed. Uh, we're certainly going to talk more and more about that as we go forward. But I think it came down between two guys. It was a close call between Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. Obviously, Kempe almost single-handedly getting the Kings back into a position to have a comeback. Uh, Kopitar, though, ties it up at the final seconds of regulation uh, and then gets uh, one of the assists. Actually, he got an assist on all four goals, but assists on the game winner in overtime on the power play as well. So I'm going to go with the captain, Andre Kopitar. He gets the crown as our player of the game for game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's good to be the king. Uh, so many things to be encouraged about regarding this win. But honestly, I think the biggest thing to be encouraged about is that the Kings didn't play their best game. Uh, great third period, um, but hardly their best 60 minutes plus of hockey when you include the overtime. Uh, we'll talk more about the two goaltenders in this one. Um, but to start off, I was not pleased with that Kings first period. They did not put enough shots on goal and enough pressure on the Oilers rookie goaltender, Stuart Skinner, who had never been in this type of environment before. Um, only six shots on goal in the opening period. Now, sure, credit the Oilers with some of that. They did carry the play, kept the uh, the puck down in the Kings end a little bit more often than not. But that was certainly something the Kings could have done a better job on. Uh, and the Kings, you know, I talked about on Monday's show, little things turning into big things. Uh, talked about specifically uh, face-offs and block shots for the LA Kings. They were better all season long in both those categories than the Oilers, but they weren't in game one. Edmonton actually won the face-off battle. They won 57.5% of the draws to the Kings, 42.5%. The Oilers actually had more block shots, 19 to 17. So there's room for improvement for the LA Kings going forward, and they were outshot overall in the game, 40 to 35, which is rare. For the LA Kings. But of course, there were a lot of things the Kings did do right, especially in the third period. Um, first and foremost, they won the special teams battle, which is huge. Now, the Oilers' power play was one for three, but that one power play for them came with a two man advantage where they're virtually unstoppable in that kind of a situation with their historically good power play. Um, the Kings, I thought, did a very good job of, for the most part, staying out of the penalty box. Uh, the, now, there were two obvious penalties that led to that two-man advantage for Edmonton. Uh, first, it was Drew Doughty hooking Connor McDavid, and yeah, McDavid was getting speed going in, in the neutral zone. I know that's scary, but Doughty took that penalty uh, in the middle of the ice um, in, in, you know, in the neutral zone. Um, that's not a penalty you want to take, so that was not a good penalty. But then, right after that, uh, 30 seconds later, McDavid skated through three Kings and one of them was Mikey Anderson, who had to grab McDavid around the waist and got called for a penalty. Now, that's a penalty that is acceptable. When you're stopping Connor McDavid from going one-on-one -on -one with your goaltender, even though it was going to put the Kings down two men, that's a penalty that I'm okay with you taking. Um, and so, you know, that was not a bad penalty. Um, the other penalty the Kings took that probably wasn't great was Alex Iafalo in the second period. He took a high-sticking penalty that canceled out a Kings power play opportunity. But other than that, pretty good job by the Kings of staying out of the box. They did not take any penalties in the third period, did not take any penalties in the overtime period. So the Kings uh, did a great job, again, getting two power play goals. Yeah, they did allow one, but it was a five-on-three opportunity. For the most part, I thought the Kings did a really good job with their special teams, and I thought they won 
the special teams battle against the Edmonton Oilers, and that is huge going forward. If they can do more of that more often than not, the Kings are going to have success. Now, individually, the Kings had their top players step up. In particular, we talk about Kempe and Kopitar. Kempe, with the two goals in Game 1, equaled his entire offensive output in the seven-game series against the Oilers a year ago when he had a total of two goals, and those came in the same game. Hopefully that's not the case in this series. Don't think it will be. Uh, we mentioned Kopitar's four-point night. That was outstanding. And Victor Arvidsson, uh, who, of course, missed last year's series, was a factor in this game, played well, and had two big assists, none bigger than that one in overtime on the great passing play between him, Kopitar, and then getting it to Alex Iafalo to be able to score the game winning goal defensively the kings didn't really contain oilers star leon dreisaitl as much as they would have liked to he did have two goals but connor mcdavid 153 points in the regular season he's going to be the mvp of the league he had zero points last night now yes he did draw a couple of penalties and that did lead to the oilers goal five on three but overall i thought the kings did a very good job of containing connor mcdavid um, he did not play like a superstar in that game. I give credit to the Kings for the reason for that. Um, I thought it was a total team effort on McDavid. All the forwards and defensemen certainly paying attention to him. He did have that one highlight play where he skated through the Kings' three defenders. Um, but overall, uh, I was very pleased with the way the Kings contained Connor McDavid in that opening game. Obviously, holding him to no points is a big deal. Let's get into the goalie matchup. Obviously, goaltending is very important in every game magnified in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I need to let you know that the NBA playoffs are underway. The Lakers and Clippers are both involved, and they're both up one nothing in their series. It's good to be a L.A. team in the postseason right now, whether it's hockey or basketball. And now's the perfect time for you to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored to three-pointers made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in a bonus bet back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. The LA Kings play the Edmonton Oilers Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time, with the Kings looking to take a 2-0 series lead. Catch every moment of the Kings' hometown broadcast on Sirius XM on the XXM app. Search LA Kings. So let's talk about the goaltending. I thought the Kings would have the edge in net going into the series, and that, I thought, turned out to be the case in Game 1. Jonas Corpusell allowed three goals on 40 shots, but made several key saves to keep the Kings in the game throughout and I thought he was better as the game went along. Um, when the game went to overtime, my confidence level was sky high knowing that our goaltender played in a five-overtime game against the Lightning in 2020 and had 85 saves. There is literally nothing uh, as far as the pressure goes that Jonas Corposalo has not experienced in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, other than maybe being in the Stanley Cup final. As for Edmonton goalie Stuart Skinner, this was his first ever playoff game and his first ever overtime playoff game. So, again, going into the overtime, I felt very comfortable with Jonas Corposalo in our net as compared to Stuart Skinner. Let's look at the goals allowed for both netminders. The Oilers' first goal, we talked about it, Leon Dreisaitl. He got a fortunate bounce. It went off of the skate of Matt Roy and right to him near the net. 
no fault of Corpusalo on that one. A little bit of unlucky uh, puck luck there for the LA Kings. Second goal came on the five-on-three power play. Hard to fault Corpusalo on that one. The third goal came after an initial save by Corpusalo, but the Kings failed to clear the puck out of danger. Um, the loose puck was there to be cleared out, and that didn't happen. I kind of put that more on his teammates. You could criticize the fact that he did allow the rebound, but all in all, uh, I, I think that was one that the Kings had time to get it out of danger. They didn't do so, and eventually Leon Dreisaitl would score his second goal of the game. But again, all in all, I thought a very solid effort by Jonas Corposalo in net, kind of like the Kings. Uh, it wasn't his best, but it was good and good enough to get a win in game number one. As for Oilers rookie goalie Stuart Skinner in his first ever Stanley Cup playoff game, unlike Corposalo, he did not get better as the game went along. The first goal he allowed was a Kempe backhander from some distance. I know that backhand shots are a little bit tougher to read on the release than forehand shots, but I thought it was stoppable. Not soft, but stoppable. Uh, the second goal, a beautiful wrist shot back post by Kempe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say eh, it was kind of stoppable, but more credit to the shooter uh, than blame the goaltender on that one. The third goal, the Kings were skating six on four. Philip Deneau with a shot on a cross-ice pass that Skinner initially made the save on, but it squirted through him and behind him and was sitting in the crease, and Andre Kopitar was there to tap it in. And the fourth goal in overtime, the OT game winner, came on the power play. That was a great passing play by the Kings. A one-timer from Alex Iafalo. That's tough to hang on the goaltender. Uh, that would have been a very difficult save. Um, but I think judging the saves and the goals allowed by both goalies, I would give the edge to the Kings in that one. I think Jonas Corposalo outplayed Stuart Skinner. Now, Skinner wasn't awful, and again, yeah, it was his first ever playoff game. Um, but it's hard to think that his confidence is going to be better going forward. Now, I do hope the Kings will be more aggressive and assertive in getting shots on goal on him earlier in the game. Uh, we need to see that more often in game number two, especially coming off that third period in overtime. If the Kings can maybe get an early goal on him, maybe that hurts his confidence going forward, and we can see where it'll go from there. And game two, we're going to talk more about it, but that's pretty much a must win. The Edmonton Oilers. So again, the pressure is on Stuart Skinner and the Oilers. Now, I am sure uh, if you're watching Locked On Oilers right now, that uh, there's going to be some talk about the officiating. I know that Oilers fans are very upset about that. And obviously, I am seeing this from a Kings perspective. So you can take that for what it's worth. But I actually thought the officiating was okay. Um, now, I am an old school NHL fan, and so there's a lot of these ticky-tack calls that are made these days that has taken a lot of getting used to for me because I'm used to that not being a penalty from all the games that I grew up watching. Uh, and especially uh, if you're a, a, an older fan like I am, when games went into overtime or late in the third period, you had to practically murder someone to get a penalty call. That's not the case anymore, and I thought that the penalty in the third period, the high-sticking on Evan Bouchard on Trevor Moore, that was clearly a penalty um, and led to the game-tying goal. And then the tripping call in overtime, yeah, it was far from a vicious foul, but the refs have made that type of call all season long, and if you get your stick into a player's skates and he goes down, 99% of the time they are going to make that call, and that's what they did on Blake Lazat. Did he help it along? Did he embellish it? I don't know, but again, the player for the Oilers got his stick into his skates. And again, if the player goes down, they're calling that almost every time. So I didn't have a big problem with those calls. I get that it benefited the Kings, but 
If I thought it was a soft call, if I thought it was a blown call, I'd tell you, what do I care? Uh, the Oilers also had two goals disallowed, but I thought, again, they were both the right call. In the first period, Edmonton scored a goal after they bowled over netminder Jonas Corposalo and pushed him into the net. The call on the ice was no goal. Um, we did not get an explanation as to why it was called no goal on the ice. I thought it was clearly goalie interference. Um, I also don't know why it appeared that the Oilers were not allowed to do a coach's challenge on that play, but that looked like the case. There was a conversation we saw on the TV broadcast between one of the referees and Jay Woodcroft, the coach of the Oilers, and it seemed like he was saying he wanted to challenge it, and then it seemed like he was saying why when he was told he couldn't. Now, it would have been nicer if the referee could have cracked open the mic, skated over, and, and told us all while we were watching the game and people there live in attendance exactly what was going on. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. But I thought in the end, they got that call right. The goal went into the net because the Oilers player made contact with Jonas Corposalo and pushed him into the net. He was not pushed into the net. I'm talking about the Oilers player. He went on his own, in on his own accord. And to me, that's goal interference. And so that's that's no goal. Uh, there was also an overtime goal that was disallowed for the Oilers. Again, I thought it was clearly the right call. This one even more so than the, than the first call. Uh, there was a high stick that knocked the puck out of the air and into the net. It was clearly over the crossbar. It was clearly over the player's shoulders. There was no doubt at all that that was put in with a high stick and uh, not much complaint from the Oilers on that one. So like I said, were there probably some missed calls on both sides? Sure, there is in every game. But for the most part, I really honestly thought the referees got the majority of the calls right. Um, and I, I feel like I'm pretty honest when it comes to that kind of thing. So like I said, I'm sure there's plenty of complaining going on in Edmonton about the officiating, but I thought that the officiating was pretty fair and, and, and pretty good, but that that's me. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, by the way, I'm not much for calling out another team's fan base, but boy, Oilers fans, uh, they went from awesome to idiot from the start of that game to the end of the night. Um, now to be very clear, I don't like to paint with a broad brush and say the, an, an entire fan base is good or bad. Obviously people, you know, get there, there are bad apples in every fan base, but the, the Oilers fans started that game singing the Canadian national anthem together as a group, which was so beautiful and amazing. That's so awesome. I love that. And then I thought their energy in the opening period really helped to propel their team to be the better team in that first period. They get out to a two nothing lead. Everything's going great. Everything's positive. But as the game went along, uh, I thought they got a little bit tight. They got a little bit more quiet. The Drew Doughty thing, by the way, I find to be very funny. Uh, they booed Drew Doughty every time he touched the puck. I'm not exactly sure why. I know Doughty has been that kind of a target before. He may have said something in the media before the game about being physical with Connor McDavid. Maybe that's the reason why. But I found it a little amusing. And I kind of feel like, He's in their heads when when they do that, but okay. Um, but I thought it was really embarrassing at the end of the game when, and I get that they were upset. They, maybe they didn't think that that tripping call should have been called, but the throwing stuff on the ice, uh, it's a bad look. There were fans literally throwing things at Kings players as they were going off the ice. That's unacceptable. So, you know, it, it, look, if Kings fans did that, I would definitely call our fans out for doing that. So Oilers fans, um, I would think you're better than that. That was that was not a good look. So now that the Kings have won game one, what's up for game number two and who might be back in the lineup for the Kings? We're going to discuss that in a moment. But first, I need to remind you that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, is brought to you by Athletic Greens. 
With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, costs you less than $3 a day, and it's just one scoop and a cup of water. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, a reminder, the LA Kings play the Edmonton Oilers Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, with the Kings looking to go up two games to nothing. Catch every moment of the Kings' hometown broadcast on Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search LA Kings. Uh, Some more observations on the game one win. I know there has been some criticism from some Kings fans about the physical uh, aspect of the Kings, that they're not a physical team. Uh, Some fans are... Uh, you know, talking about the Kings maybe getting bullied and pushed around on the ice. Um, I, I thought there were some times in game one where the Oilers were a bit more physical and it gave them an advantage, especially, I thought, in the opening period. But overall, I thought the Kings held their own uh, physically. Um, it was a physical game, as you would expect in the playoffs. It's only going to get more and more as we go forward. Uh, but I thought the Kings stepped up to the challenge. I thought they didn't back down from the Oilers while still being smart and staying out of the penalty box and not taking any bad penalties with stuff that goes on after the whistle. Uh, I don't think you can downplay the amount of confidence the Kings have now after that game one win and the way they got that win. I know that uh, it's tough to contain Connor McDavid, but they've got to have confidence that they can do that. Now, maybe not keep them to no points through the rest of the series, but uh, I thought, again, the way they played Connor McDavid was very encouraging. Uh, I thought the Kings, we talked about the special teams. That's got to help the confidence going forward, that they can get it done on the penalty kill and more specifically on the power play, which was good during the regular season, but didn't seem to step up in key moments, but they certainly did in game number one. And again, I think confidence in net in Jonas Corposalo going forward, um, a very confident win for the LA Kings as we go to game number two. Now, I'm sure most of you remember the Kings did win game number one of the series last year in Edmonton. And we all know that that turned out to go the way of the Oilers in seven games. I have no doubt that is being talked about with all these players that have have the experience from game number one. Uh, Don't be happy just getting a split in Edmonton. Go out and win game two like it's a game seven. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but you know the Oilers are going to come out strong feeling like they absolutely gave game one away. Uh, Plus, there's no way they want to go down 0-2 heading to L.A. Uh, The Kings need to be be ready to weather the storm early in the first period, keep the game close. Uh, The later the game goes on, the more pressure shifts to Edmonton as the home team. Um, I tried to find the stats as far as what is it as far as a team having a 2-0 series lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, And I didn't find um, stats that go all the way to 2023 um but some of the stats i saw it's about 87 percent of the time that a team goes up two games nothing in the stanley cup playoffs that they go on to win that series now that was just up two nothing that's not counting two nothing winning the first two games on the road i gotta imagine that the numbers are even bigger uh, as far as that goes so look game number two is a huge opportunity for the kings 
Uh, yes, let's celebrate and be happy about a huge game one win. But tomorrow, uh, for the players, certainly time to turn the page. They know that. Um, refocus and go after uh, a big game in game number two. Again, coming up Wednesday in Edmonton. I said it on Monday's show. All the pressure is on the Oilers. Everyone has picked them to win this series. They have the superstar. They have the best player in the game. The Kings have nothing to lose. Let's go out and and play like that. Like, we're going to play to win. Don't be afraid to lose it. It's great that you won game one, but now it's on to game number two. And I think having guys like Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar in the room that can remind them of that, that have been there before when it comes to winning a big game on the road like they did 10 years ago in Vancouver against the President's Trophy winning Canucks. Uh, I think the Kings will be ready and focused, but it's going to be a huge game too. Like I said, the Oilers are going to be ready. They're going to feel like they let this one get away, that they were the better team overall in the game, and they're going to look to prove it in game number two. But again, all the pressure is on them. And as the game goes on, I think that becomes more and more of a factor. Oh, by the way, uh, we all know that the Kings won game one without Kevin Fiala and Gabe Velarde in the lineup. And good news today. Gabe Velarde practiced with the team. He was not wearing a red non-contact jersey. He was wearing a white jersey. He spoke to reporters after practice, and he said, quote, I am ready to play tomorrow night, end quote. So it looks like Gabe Velarde, barring any kind of last-second setback, is going to be in the lineup. That's certainly going to give the Kings a boost from game number one. Um, I would guess that Velarde will slot in on the right wing on the third line with Blake Lazad and Alex Ayafalo. Uh, I guess I'm hoping that Arthur Kaliev will stay in the lineup and slide down to the fourth line. I hope we don't see Zach McEwen inserted into the lineup. I thought Kaliev had some pretty good chances on the Kings' second power play unit. Um, we didn't mention it, but Alex Edler returned to the Kings' lineup in game one. I thought he looked pretty good after missing some time. Jarrett Anderson Dolan also drew into the lineup on the fourth line, uh, saw limited minutes. Uh, we'll be curious to see if Gabe Velarde, if he does in fact play, which it looks like he will, is he going to slide in on the Kings' top power play unit where he was for most of the regular season, or do they ease him kind of back in, maybe on the second power play unit? Um, we'll see going forward. But either way, very happy to see the Kings getting another weapon going forward for the playoffs with Gabe Velarde back in the lineup. Fingers crossed we see Kevin Fiala at some point. Unfortunately, no positive news to report on him at this time. But again, it looks like Gabe Velarde is going to be in the Kings lineup for game number two, and that is great to see. Hey, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk more about the Kings and what they have to do to win game number two. Thursday's show will be a chance for you to talk about the first two games of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Kings as we have our Kings fan feedback show coming up on Thursday. And on Friday, we are scheduled to be joined by LA Kings longtime TV analyst Jim Fox to break down, break down the first two games of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the LA Kings and, of course, preview game three in Los Angeles. If you want to be a part of that Kings fan feedback show on Thursday, you can send me an email, lockedoneddy at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E, lockedoneddy at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can always post your comments during the, the show uh, episode below. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnLAKings. Be happy, Kings fans. Be excited. This is the best part of the year for hockey fans. There is nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. One down, 15 more to go. And also a reminder, the LA Kings play the Edmonton Oilers Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, with the Kings looking to take a 2-0 series lead. Catch every moment of the Kings' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search LA Kings. 
I'm Eddie Garcia. I'm going to actually go watch the third period on overtime again on my DVR. I'm not even kidding about that. Uh, that was so awesome. I'm, I want to relive it again a little bit. I then turn the page and get ready for game number two. Uh, but thank you for listening and watching Locked on LA Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, go Kings go.